This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio. Welcome to the Money Pot. I'm Sanjeev Kalida, editor in chief at Money 2020, and I'm here with Mickey Tesfaye, our finance journalist and fellow fintech nerd. How are you, Mickey? Hey, Sanj. I'm doing really well, thanks. I know everyone here at Money 2020 is feeling particularly busy right now as we're only a couple of months away from our Las Vegas show, but I've been writing the blog for the Money 2020 site and I've got to say trying to keep track of the fintech and crypto industry is a lot of work right now, particularly with crypto. It feels like one day people are panicking because Bitcoin has fallen below a certain milestone and the next We're celebrating because there's signs of a crypto recovery. It's a real rodeo ride. Oh, I completely understand. Jumping on your rodeo metaphor, and I know it's an overused comparison, but it does have the feelings of the Wild West. It is an overused comparison, but I think that's because it's pretty apt. This sudden potential to gain large amounts of wealth being led by the early adopters means that things move very quickly and it takes time for the structure and processes to catch up, which can lead to a lot of volatility. Well, as long as we're comfortable making use of an already overused metaphor, I wanted to share a conversation I had this week with someone you may describe as a pioneer of the crypto space, Ben Weiss. Ben Weiss, CEO and co-founder of CoinFlip. In order to explain what Ben and his company CoinFlip does, I want you to close your eyes and use your imagination. Oh, I've been here before. I didn't realize it was going to be one of those episodes. Come on, Mickey. Just go with me here. All right. My eyes are closed. Okay. You and I are sitting opposite each other. The temperature is hot. And we're in the back of a covered wagon making its way down a dusty track. Wow, your description was so good. I can almost hear it. No, that, that that's our producer adding the soundtrack. All right. Of course. Okay, so we're currently on our way to a small outpost in California. It's 1848 and the gold miners have set out to make their riches and literally strike gold. Well, now I'm excited to get out there. Can we make the horses go faster? My thoughts exactly. But the only reason we're able to get out here at all is because that all these tracks were made by the pioneers, the first people who came out here. I've got to say that this is a pretty bumpy road. And how long is it going to take us to get there anyway? A few weeks. Weeks? I'm not so sure about this now. Well, maybe we can just hit fast forward, but that is what people like Ben and his company CoinFlip are trying to solve. Just for crypto rather than gold mining. CoinFlip is a nationwide network of kiosks that I started over 6 years ago when I figured out that my mom was never going to be able to link her bank account to Coinbase to buy Bitcoin. So we try and make it as easy and accessible as possible for people to purchase cryptocurrency and that's what we've grown nationwide with over 4000 locations and we have 24/7 customer support. So you're saying CoinFlip's kiosks are basically trying to turn these tracks into roads. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. So when these dusty tracks become paved roads, what are the kinds of people Ben's expecting to begin making use of cryptocurrencies outside of just making it easier for people who are already using it? All kinds of people. Ben specifically referenced the underbanked, but also people like his mom who isn't necessarily underbanked. but she doesn't have the technical knowledge 
to access the platforms currently needed to use crypto? So I think one thing is that like tech people make things for other tech people instead of the consumers. And there's, you know, the obvious use case, like the unbanked, the underbanked. But then there's people like my mom. She's not underbanked, but she can't even link her bank account to pay an electricity bill. How is she going to link it to an exchange? And it gives people that safety and security. Anyone can go up and basically use a vending machine for crypto. And the average transaction size is in the couple hundred bucks. You know, my cut, like... My customer segment is not FTX's customer segment or Coinbase's customer segment. And it's a lot smaller market than those exchanges, but someone should be there for them to serve those customers. No one should be shut out of the crypto market either because they're unbanked or underbanked or because they don't feel comfortable with it. So Ben's solution to breaking down that initial barrier is to offer these onboarding points as physical spaces where you can easily buy and sell crypto and learn along the way. But I've got to say, if his goal is to teach people how to access and make use of cryptocurrency, wouldn't an online course or some kind of workshop be less of a physical burden? Sure, but that's still not meeting people in their space. By placing access points in familiar spaces, CoinFlip is normalizing the idea of using cryptocurrency. Not only this... But Ben points out there's no better way to learn than by actually doing. You can read as much as you want about crypto and you can have your opinions and you can say buy it or sell it. But to really understand crypto, you have to use it. You have to download a wallet. You have to send it to your friend. You have to maybe even use MetaMask or Uniswap or plug in a Trezor. Like that's the best way to learn is by doing. You know, it's been talked about a lot. But when you start to increase accessibility, it really changes the makeup of the space. When it's not just tech-forward people catering to tech-forward people, users start to find new uses for the products and a wider network of people can gravitate, as a result, creating wider communities. Exactly. And speaking of which, Mickey, take a look through the canvas. Looks like we finally made it into town. Oh, yeah. It's pretty busy. Actually, it looks really busy and there's a lot of people out there who look like they really know what they're doing when it comes to finding gold. I mean, I don't know about you, but it's not like I was ever taught about panning for gold in school. How about you? No, I, I mean, I learned a lot of things in school, but that wasn't one of them. Hmm, maybe coming here to dig for gold was a mistake, but I think we can take inspiration from Ben and Coinflip. How do you mean? Well, Ben saw the enthusiasm, and let's not be coy about it, money that was pouring into the crypto offering, right? Sure. But instead of putting his own money in crypto in the hopes to strike gold, Ben took a look at how he could set up shop alongside the industry, not to make money directly from cryptocurrency, but to act as a support to the people who are. So you're saying that instead of mining for gold ourselves, we should set up shop and provide the tools services and materials that gold miners need to do their gold mining? Exactly. You know, I remember reading about Levi Strauss. Of Levi Jeans fame? Exactly. Levi's family had a wholesale goods company based in New York. After a short stint expanding the business in Kentucky, Levi followed the migration out west and set up shop in San Francisco selling clothing, bedding, combs, and handkerchiefs, among other things, to the traders and miners who came through the docks. You know, I heard one thing about that. 
They added rivets to the jeans in order to strengthen all the areas of the jeans that wore out easily under the strains of all the movements when mining. Now, if you look at your jeans you're wearing today, you're likely going to be able to find at least a few rivets. Oh yeah, I, I see them. One of the places you won't find a rivet, though, is at the seam at the bottom of your zipper. Do you know why that is, Sanj? Uh, no, n- no idea. Well, there was one there originally, but at the end of a long day mining, when the sun went down, the miners would gather around the fire to get warm. And you know what conducts heat faster than denim? Metal rivets. <laughs> and you know what a metal rivet right at the bottom of your jean zipper is in very close contact with? Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, we don't need to go into detail, but suffice to say, after feedback from a lot of gold miners who'd come away with burns in some very sensitive areas, Levi and his company quickly adapted and removed the one rivet at the bottom of the flight. So I'd love to know, Sanj, what's the hot rivet issue for crypto? That's an awesome story, and I'm definitely introducing the term hot rivet issue into my everyday lexicon. But I gotta say, I think Ben and his company are solving the hot rivet issue. I think the hot rivet was a fact that the majority of crypto buying and trading was designed with the smartphone user interface in mind. And while that's very intuitive to a lot of people and would seem like the right direction to take, actually unteching it and replacing it with an older form of technology like the ATMs is effectively removing that hot rivet and allowing people less familiar with those interfaces to still have access. One other thing that Ben has in common with Levi Strauss's story is that both of them built their idea on their own without outside investment. We've totally bootstrapped, you know, 300 employees. We've never raised outside capital. That is impressive. In a time when there's lots of conversation about overvaluation of businesses, it's nice to see a company proving themselves through their own profits. But Sanj, I was thinking, with the increased accessibility to these gold rush towns, I want to see who are the kinds of people who are coming in, who could be our potential customers. Well, in that case, I suggest we take a walk to the one place where all of the newcomers in town go to when they arrive. That's the saloon. Okay, I feel like we're really in the Wild West now. I can't wait to order a whiskey and listen to some honky-tonk. Just don't upset the regulars, okay? But it's interesting. In the same way that the population of these Western outposts changed when the roads opened up, Ben and Coinflip have seen a similar change in where demand for their machines has been coming from. In 2016, even all the way up to like 2017, our bread and butter was college towns, you know, things like that. But it's really become a much broader um, demographic. One thing that surprised me is just like, you know, I can put a kiosk in a town with 10,000 people now and there's still demand for it. So I think the market has totally broadened out. And, you know, at the very least, even people who don't really believe they're just saying, you know, I at least got to buy a little bit, right? And then they end up buying more and more. But, you know, it, the market has become very representative of, like, you know, the, the general financial market and just the general population. That is really interesting. And I think a lot of that can be credited to just how much the awareness of cryptocurrency and trading has spread into the mass population over the last couple of years alone. Well, here we are in a real-life Wild West saloon. Hey, Sanj. 
If I'm honest, I don't know how long I want to hang out here. It really is straight out of central casting for the outcasts and rogues of the Wild West. Yeah, maybe you're right. Uh, what's the security situation here? I, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to say not the best law-keeping ever. I haven't seen the sheriff since we got here. Well, if my experience of watching Western movies is anything to go by, sheriffs don't last long in these kinds of places. Maybe we should step outside. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe you're right. Okay, that was pretty scary. Speaking of sheriffs, though, it got me thinking. You know, there's been a lot of talk recently about the regulatory change in the crypto landscape. There's currently a bill being proposed in Congress called the Bipartisan Responsible Financial Innovation Act, which is looking to relabel crypto from being an asset to being a commodity. Oh yeah, I heard about that. That would change the jurisdiction from the SEC and instead give that control to the CFTC, just like when there's a new sheriff in town, right? Exactly, and when there is a new sheriff in town, they like to leave their impression and change things up. I actually spoke to Ben before this bill was even announced, and he was already talking about the benefits that could come from changing the regulator from the SEC to the CFTC. Let's say that gets done in five years, but we could tweak existing regulations to be you know, pro-consumer protection, but also pro-innovation. If we can get it done faster by tweaking existing regulations, like we should use the tools we have. And then to the extent that we can't use the tools we have, then I think we can add new frameworks. Or maybe there's, you know, a crypto person in or crypto department in the CFTC or the SEC. From what I know, the crypto people have been lobbying for a new sheriff for a while. They're hoping to get a slightly more friendly sheriff, right? Yeah, and I think that there's a general consensus right now that the CFTC will be a more crypto-friendly sheriff. You know, I've got to say... What with the lawlessness and the dust and the lack of infrastructure, I'm starting to question why people are coming out west. Well, it's all about the dream, the aspirations for people to come out here and find their fortune, find their independence, and set up on their own. For that dream, people are willing to be uncomfortable temporarily. It's a bit like early adopters of cryptocurrency, but now that infrastructure is being established, it's really changing how the general population are approaching the idea of crypto and fintech in general. I think there's a philosophical change of people taking control over their financial destiny, whether it's Robinhood or crypto. People are like, you know, I want to I wanna be involved in my money. And I think, you know, those changes um, have done a lot for, you know, fintech payments, technology in general. And I mean, the U.S. was a country that was very, very behind, even compared to third world countries on payment technologies, which the average person doesn't know about. You know, when he puts it like that, I actually think we'd be better off going back to our normal lives and make our fortunes that way. Turns out the Wild West was a lot more wild than the supposed Wild West of fintech. Yeah, I I think you're right. Well, that's it for this episode of The Money Pot. We want to thank Ben Weiss for sharing his wealth of knowledge and ideas with us. I also want to thank our rootin' tootin' producer, Roland Budnam. You can be part of The Money Pot at The Money 2020 Show. Please send us pictures to podcast at money2020.com. And don't forget to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts 
and please leave us a review if you like the show. It does help people find it. Thank you for listening. This is Essential. 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 This is Essential Audio.